G'day everybody, welcome to another week of This Week in Crypto. My name is Craig Cobb, I am your host and the founder of TraderCobb.com. Please like, share and subscribe, turning on your notifications if you do like the content that I put out. Alright, so the saga, does it come to an end? I don't think for some reason we are going to be hearing the last of the Twitter takeover by Elon Musk. Yes, we've been talking about it for the last few weeks on this particular channel and it has come to fruition. What some had said was a bit of a trolling moment for Musk has become an absolute reality with the multi-billionaire and the richest person on earth now in full ownership of a private company that is called Twitter. Yes, there's a lot of talk out there right now about the pros and cons of this purchase for which I'm shutting my ears to because the man has done what the man has wanted. It is his money. And Elon Musk is a guy that can do things, as we have all become aware of. Now, you might be asking, what's this got to do with crypto, Craig? This has been in your news for the last few weeks. Well, the reason that it is part of uh, the news items here is because it is a big piece of news. And of course, when the takeover was accepted earlier this week, we saw a massive spike in Doge and a, a fairly decent move in the market to buoy what was a fairly bearish bit of sentiment. Now, that bearish sentiment has not disappeared with the selling off of the gains the very next day, both on Doge and market-wide. So what can Twitter do to help Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general? Well, it's fairly widely known that Jack Dorsey, the I believe he's the CEO of Square now, or something involvement in Square, uh, who founded and created Twitter, is a very big Bitcoin advocate. Will this now tip over into Twitter? Now that Elon Musk owns Twitter, will he create his own crypto or will he start to find ways in which we can maybe tip or whatever it may be? We've already got tipping, but, you know, I guess elevate that crypto involvement in the Twitter sphere. It's an interesting and exciting prospect moving forward, given that Elon Musk is also not a negative person when it comes to our digital assets. So in this article, which is the Wall Street Journal, I quote, the 44 billion deal marks the close of a dramatic courtship and a change of heart at Twitter, where many executives and board members initially opposed Mr. Musk's takeover approach. The deal has polarized Twitter employees, users and regulators over the power tech giants wield in determining the perimeters of discourse on the internet and how these companies enforce their rules. Now, one of the things that I've seen which to me is quite humorous, it, it, it does give me a chuckle, is that a lot of people out there lately have been saying billionaires shouldn't own our media and our news and all this sort of stuff. And I think, oh, what's it to you? <laughs> I mean, look, Facebook is owned by Mark Zuckerberg, so too is Instagram. Uh, Google is owned by a lot of private companies, but also the uh, Schmidt and uh, Sergey such and such, I forget his name. They're billionaires too. The very default, let's sorry, the very fact is that a lot of these platforms and media platforms are owned by billionaires because they've done a bloody good job of creating something that we all use and therefore the result of that is becoming, in many cases, a billionaire, sometimes multi-billionaire. These same people don't seem to have too much of a problem, and I speak to Australia here, with the Murdoch media. Murdoch owns nearly everything here in Australia. I shouldn't say nearly everything, but a very large chunk of it, and does have, or does cast a very large net of political, uh, or sorry, he wields a very big political stick to get those that he favours into Parliament. It's been documented very, very well, and in fact, there are protests out there in Australia and groups trying to take away Murdoch's stranglehold on the Australian media. Jeff Bezos, of course, now owns the Washington Post, 
Not too many people were screaming and carrying on about that. And the, the, I could go on and on and on, but I won't. The reason I bring this up is to not be antagonizing, not to say that if you hold these opinions that you're wrong or that you're silly or that you're uneducated or whatever, nothing like that. I'm just saying, what's it to you? You're not going to be able to change it. These people are doing what these people wish to do. Rather than sitting there screaming at a screen or yelling on Twitter or social media, focus on yourself. Work on how you can do things for you and improve your life. Because often I see, especially in Twitter, the day that the news came out, I avoided Twitter like the plague because there's a lot of negativity out there for things that people can't change and shouldn't really have too much concern outside of maybe one tweet, if a max. So focus on yourself and let other people that are doing great things do what they like. Within reason, of course. That's what regulators are for. Okay, furthermore, on the Wall Street Journal article here, on Monday, and I read from the article, on Monday, a day after the Wall Street Journal first reported that a deal was close, Mr. Musk tweeted to indicate that he wants the platform to be a destination for wide-ranging discourse and disagreement. And I quote, I hope that even my worst critics remain on Twitter, because that is what free speech means. Now, this is a very, very important part of this article and a very, very important part, I suppose, of the narrative that has been going on around this purchase. It is about the freedom of speech and Musk having the absolute desire to maintain freedom of speech. Now, I can remember, I can remember being a kid and I can remember... Yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I can remember, you know, speaking to mum and dad, people having crazy thoughts and views on, on certain things, what I considered to be crazy anyway. And what was I taught to do when these people had these crazy thoughts and views? Ignore them. Hard to do, right? No, it's not hard at all. If there's something that you don't like, well, if you want to maintain a strong, good mental health and focus on what you're doing with your life and improving your circumstances, the best thing you can do is just walk away. Now, this seems to be something that has been forgotten by the hordes that are on social media. We have social media platforms right now that people spend literally their entire days on. This is where they live. It has really damaged the psyche of, human, of the human race, I believe, because people even, it's even easier today even easier to walk away from your boogeyman because all you have to do is you don't even have to turn your computer off. You don't even have to put your phone, like you don't have, you just, you just don't look at the app. It's really easy to ignore those that you don't want to listen to. But no, instead of that, we now get into these squabbles online and then we've got all this, oh, I'm offended and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? People are going to get offended. Your job in life is not to just make sure you don't upset anyone's feelings. Your job in life is to follow your path and to be committed to the person that you wish to be. Of course, I hope that that person is committed to being a nice person, a good person, and a good person for society, but that choice is completely up to you. And I give you full points for doing so. If you want to be a rude prick on the internet, go ahead and do it. You're not going to have a very special life, but I'm not going to stop you because it doesn't bother me. I deal with rude pricks all the time and it is water off a duck's back 99.9% .9 of the time. The old sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Applies here in the takeover of Twitter and Elon Musk's desire to maintain a level of free speech on the platform. And to that, personally, I am very happy about that because censoring people on their views is not a way that we teach people about how to manage their own self. 
right? If we say, well, you can't, you won't know any of this information over here because it might upset you, then how are we going to learn how to get tough? How are we going to learn how to deal with life when it does really get tough outside of the computer screens? I don't want soft and weak generations following us. It appears that that might have already happened to a certain extent. Certain pockets of, of our internet seem to be very triggered by just about anything these days. I don't think it's good for society. I think free speech is good. And I think the importance around understanding that you can just walk away is something that should not be scoffed at. Among the other issues Mr. Musk will face, this is from the article, is whether to allow Donald Trump back on Twitter after the Republican former president's personal account was permanently suspended by the company last year in the wake of the January 6, 2021 attack on the US Capitol by a mob of his supporters seeking to interfere with the certification of President Biden's 2020 election win. Mr. Trump told Fox News on Monday that he had no plans to return to Twitter and would instead use his startup Truth Social as his preferred social media platform. Again, this is going to have an awful lot of people up in arms because Donald Trump, I mean, the guy was polarizing. Uh, <clears throat> he certainly didn't say a lot of things that I agreed with. Um, but what did I do when I didn't like it? I ignored it. Some things he said seemed to be pretty spot on. And this is the thing that I think the, 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 the watering down of social media and the watering down of information and the lack of free speech that we've seen through, um, I guess, uh, you know, what do they do? They, uh, they mediate. I think somebody like Donald Trump coming in and being elected what it's caused, in my personal opinion, by the way, this is not a, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a person that does this stuff, uh, a political commentator, that's what I was going for. Um, it seems to be that since Donald Trump came in, it, there seems to be so much, like everything's two-sided. And, and I don't think that's healthy. I think we need to not just go, I'm on this side through and through. We need to look at policy and things that are going on in the world for what they are, not just because I go for red, you go for blue or whatever it may be. We need to look at the real issues. We need to understand what they are. And we can look at the certain pieces of policy and go, that's actually quite good, as opposed to going, anything he says is really, really bad. And that's where I fear we're at right now. So will they allow Donald Trump back? It doesn't sound like Donald Trump wants to come back, and fair enough. Back to the article. Taking Twitter private would allow Mr. Musk to make changes without the scrutiny public companies typically are under from their shareholders. He also has said he wants to retain as many shareholders as possible. Mr. Musk, a self-described free speech absolutist, said in a recent interview at the TED conference that he sees Twitter as the de facto town square, where we can all have our views and opinions. And you know what? There may still be the odd punch up in the town square, but we can all stand around and cheer it. No, I'm just joking. We can break it up. We can hear the, the views and opinions of all sides, as opposed to saying we only are here to listen to these people. No other questions, no other discourse. That is it. That is end of story. I like the town square idea. Let's give it a crack, Elon. Finally, Mr. Musk has said he wants Twitter to re sorry, rely less on advertising, which provided about 90% of its revenue in 2021 and shift its business model more towards subscriptions. The platform currently offers a subscription-based service called Twitter Blue, never heard of it, which gives customers premium features like Undo Tweet for $2.99 a month. He suggested removing all ads on Twitter as part of the subscription offerings. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Elon Musk now owning Twitter. What will he do? It's going to be an interesting one to watch over the coming months. Twitter, if you recall, uh, I think it floated its share price at maybe $44 or something around that sort of figure. Elon Musk has gone in, I think it was $54 uh, for his purchase price, uh, $54.20 a share. There you go. It's really struggled as far as a social media platform. Uh, it's really not done a great deal. It's, it's struggled uh, to have 
too much growth of, of people on the platform. I'm talking single digit growth numbers. It's not what it used to be. Uh, Facebook and other marketing, or like TikTok, for example, Instagram, these have really decimated Twitter. However, Twitter still remains the place for the big power players that can come out with a very short tweet and make a difference. So it's a different place. I think he's on the right path here by allowing free speech. And time will tell whether or not this can become another one of Elon's success stories in business uh, or not. It's up to him now. He owns it. <laughs> Not my problem. Okay. Of course, this week, we've got Al Jazeera with the news now. Bitcoin is now official currency in Central African Republic. Well, well, well. Number two on the list for countries that have adopted Bitcoin as tender. The Central African Republic has adopted Bitcoin as an official currency, the presidency said on Wednesday, making it the first country in Africa and only the second in the world to do so. Despite rich reserves of gold and diamonds, the Central African Republic, sorry, the Central African Republic is one of the world's poorest and least developed countries and has been gripped by rebel violence for years. <clears throat> Such a shame. They do have massive reserves of gold and diamonds, which is probably being plundered by some other companies from other parts of the world. I say probably because that's pretty much the playbook for big business when it comes to mineral resources. The president supports this bill because it will improve the conditions of Central African citizens, Namiso told reporters without elaborating. In the statement, he called it a, deci a decisive step towards opening up new opportunities for our country. <sighs> And this, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the reasons that I do love this industry that we are in. Cryptocurrency does offer hope where there is not much hope. It does offer stability where stability may not be. It offers the opportunity for people to make their money work for them in a place where money can be very, very difficult to come by. If they are to see a small growth in the price of Bitcoin uh, as, as they take it on as a national currency, provided the corruption uh, I'm not suggesting that they are corrupt, but I'm saying in general, provided that corruption doesn't get in the way of stifling that growth and funneling that off into some other wealth fund that wealthy politicians take and earn, uh, sorry, take and spend, then we can really see a big shift here in the outcomes and the betterment of life for some of the poorest nations on earth. And to that, I think that's one of the major core reasons that a lot of people looked at Bitcoin in the early days. And now we're seeing that same core value spreading its wings across the world. Of course, El Salvador also having Bitcoin as legal tender. African nations now starting to come to the party. It's a, see that, sorry, I see that as a very positive piece of news. I hope it stays that way. <laughs> okay, on to our next article here on CNBC. And isn't it interesting? More and more and more times we are seeing major crypto news across major news platforms. I can remember going back to 2017, 18, even 19, and there was lots of talk about crypto, but it was all very, very bad. Don't go near it. Warning, warning, crypto bad. Stay away. They've changed their tune. Anyway, ex-Google CEO Eric Schmidt says he's invested a little bit hmm, in crypto, but he's more interested in the future of Web3. Now, for those that need a bit of a scrub up on who this bloke is, he uh, he was a CEO. Hang on, let me see. He was served as C CEO of Google from 2001 to 2011. He stayed as an executive chairman until 2017 and technical advisor until 2020. Currently, Schmidt has a net worth of a shy 20 billion billion, making him the world's 80th richest person. So that's the man that we're talking about right here. So I read, ex-Google CEO and chairman Eric Schmidt says he's invested a little bit of money into cryptocurrencies, but for him, the most interesting part of blockchain isn't virtual currency, it's Web3. A new model of the internet 
where you as an individual can control your identity and where you don't have a centralized manager is very powerful. It's very seductive and it's very decentralized. Schmidt 67 tells CNBC. I remember that feeling when I was 25 that decentralized would be everything. He remembers that feeling when he was 25. I wonder if he remembered that feeling when Bitcoin came to the market and he bought some. I don't know, maybe he did. He's certainly happy to be involved now. But if he were just starting out as a software engineer today, he says he'd want to work in AI algorithms or Web3. Schmidt says his interest in Web3 involves a concept called tokenomics, which refers to the specific supply and demand characteristics of cryptocurrencies. Schmidt also notes that Web3 could come with new models for content ownership and new ways of compensating people. Web3's economics are interesting. The platforms are interesting and the use patterns are interesting, Schmidt says. It doesn't work yet, but it will. Boom. Bingo, bongo, play the drum. Good on you, Mr. Schmidt. Welcome to Web3. I don't fully understand it yet, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's definitely coming and I, I can't see it going anywhere at all. So another big name to the list, tick. And over to Dubai, we go through Coindesk and an article here about, uh, well, I'll read it. <laughs> uh, Dubai real estate developed to accept crypto payments amid UAE push for crypto hub status. Now, this is big news as Dubai, of course, has done a lot of good stuff in the last 30 odd years as far as building, developing and proving that they are more than just a petro nation. You see, what we've got now is Dubai as Dubai of today. No longer just a desert town. It's still hot as hell over there. I can tell you that much. But it is very much at the forefront of lots of different industries. Development is huge in Dubai. And so, too, now are digital assets. I read. Dubai United Arab Emirates-based luxury real estate developer Darmac will soon accept payments in crypto, joining the chorus of firms betting that the UAE will become a global crypto hub. Darmac will accept payments in Bitcoin and Ethereum, the firm said in a Wednesday press release. The move aims to accelerate the new economy for newer generations and for the future of our industry, said Ali Sajwani, who leads Damak's Digital Transformation Initiatives and General Manager of Operations. Holy moly, that was probably the hardest paragraph I've ever had to read. Woo! <sighs> so again, they're talking about accelerating their economy, which is what Dubai likes to do as the oil reserves start to, well, I don't think they're running dry, but as the world starts to try and convert away from oil, well, the Saudis have been very intelligent by getting themselves into a point, or so I shouldn't say the Saudis, I should say the UAE, has been very good at working their way into other areas. They see this as being a positive, sorry, a positive for their people, their economy, and as it states there, the newer generation. It's a good thing. Now, just to sort of go on from there, it's just a short piece here. Crypto.com and Bybit have set up offices in Dubai. Well, Binance received a license to operate in the free, zone, sorry, free trade zones of both Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Kraken, meanwhile, has been granted a license to operate in Abu Dhabi's free trade zone. So we're seeing a lot go on in Dubai, and we will see that momentum continue. Keep in mind, we're seeing this continue, we're seeing this growth, we're seeing this interest from Eric Schmidt and institutional players of the world over, all whilst Bitcoin is not doing a great deal. Bitcoin has not got near its all-time high since November last year and has been in a steady decline ever since. We are consolidating at the moment, and there is equal sides of the bullish side and the bearish side. I guess it depends on your time frame and your horizons for that growth or that demise as to whether your views will be right or wrong. For me, I'm a trader. I make money if it goes down. I make money if it goes up, provided I'm sticking to my rules and working the market. 
So from Coindesk, we come and end on one of these scammy type things. Right, this is important. I try and bring you something along these lines to educate you each week. It's not because I don't believe that my audience is not educated of themselves, but I want to see the audience grow. And if I'm going to see an audience grow, I want to make sure that those new people understand that they are welcome and they also have a place to look to see what do I need to learn? How can I avoid being ripped off? And much so, and whilst most of the time it is a, if it's too good to be true, probably is, uh, there are things there that we need to be aware of. So I'm going to take you through those now. This is in Forbes. Four crypto and blockchain phishing scams to be aware of before you get excited about Web3. Why Web3? Why nothing else? Because it's the buzzword, baby. It was NFTs, now it's Web3. A lot of people talking about this, a lot of people on board. Now, as we have seen scams and whatnot grow and develop over time, and they continually will do in the metaverse, it won't be some bloke with a gun and dark sunglasses, a trench coat and a little pil- you know, trilby hat. It'll be somebody else. They'll be there to scam you to take your hard-earned gains and your crypto assets. Let's try and avoid those. Number one is malicious airdrops. Airdrops are kind of a marketing or promotional tool organizations employ to incentivize advisors, sorry, incentivize users to use their products, services, or platforms. Businesses typically airdrop cryptocurrencies or money into a user's wallet address in exchange for some activity such as a new product launch, a new coin offering for or for promoting a brand, signing up for a newsletter, following a social media handle, etc. Since there is an attra- sorry, since there is the attraction of free money and FOMO, fear of missing out. Involved airdrops have been popular among early crypto investors. And we saw one this week. I think it was around the Bored Apes Yacht Club. Um, it might have been late last week or early this week, though. There was something about an airdrop for everybody and, and whatnot to get your free NFT or whatever it was. And it will definitely have spooked and got a number of people. The Bored Ape Yacht Club is definitely, in my view, the most widely known globally NFT project out there with some projects some of these uh, nfts selling in upwards of 10 million dollars it's absolutely bonkers so crazy but uh what we've got to look out for is because those brands are so strong and so rich in their legitimate form are we going to see all these ripoffs come in yes we are if there are airdrops available don't be the first person to just jump on sign up and do what they ask you to do do some research and here's the thing the FOMO that they talk of in this particular article, in this particular malicious airdrop section, uh, that's what they're really preying on. Bored apes, you could get them for very cheap back in the first few days uh, and weeks. Now they're worth an awful lot of money. You'll know that. A lot of perks with those as well. People feel like, well, I don't want to miss out. Well, the fear of missing out can drive us to do some very silly things. So always, please be careful. If you are about to put your name or an address and whatever down in some form, make sure you please have a read through it first. Understand what it is. Search the internet. That's what it's there for. And see if it's real or if it's not real. And if in doubt, just miss out because there will be more opportunities. Number two, seed phrase phishing. A so-called seed phrase is a matter... Uh, sorry. A so-called seed phrase is a master key that unlocks access to all your crypto assets. It's like giving someone your bank account username and password. Some phishing scam tricks users, sorry, some phishing scams trick users into divulging their seed phrase, which results in their losing funds stored in their crypto wallets. Now, it should go without saying for anybody who's been in crypto for a little while, do not ever give your seed phrase out. Don't even save it on your computer. Have it written down on an old-fashioned piece of paper or something like that, right? And store it somewhere safe or several safe places. 
If you lose your seed, somebody will get that and then goodbye to your money. If anybody ever asks for your seed, you just hang up the phone, stop the chat, leave the page, do not put it in unless it is directly where you're meant to do it, which will be on your Trezor or your Nano or whatever as a recovery. Please be careful when it comes to seed phrase phishing because they will take your money at any chance that they get. Never put your seed phrase in without an awful lot of understanding. And if somebody asks you for it, nearly 100% of the time, it should be answer no, because it's only for you and you alone. Done. Number three. Three. Ha, three. Ice fishing. It sounds like a lot of fun. I've got to be honest. I've never been ice fishing, but that is with an F. This is with a PH. Similar to ice fishing in the real world, there's a hole where a hole is made in a frozen lake to catch fish. Ice fishing is a novel Web3 clickjacking scheme that tricks users into signing or delegating approval of the user's token to a cybercriminal. According to Microsoft, the smart contract user interface is such that it does not make it obvious to the victim that the transaction has been tampered with. All the attacker needs to do is modify the spender's address of, to the attacker's address and then wait for the victim to authorize the transaction, granting approval to the, hack, to the attacker's account. In crypto parlance, the spender is allowed to spend on the owner's behalf. In this particular instance, the attacker was able to modify the smart contract UI by injecting a malicious script into the smart contract front end. A similar attack happened on the BadgerDAO exchange late last year when attackers leveraged ice fishing to steal cryptocurrency with $120 million. Now, I've got to be honest with you here, ladies and gentlemen. Ice fishing is a new concept to me. It is something that it seems a little bit more tricky for me to understand completely. But once again, what we need to be aware of is what interface are we actually using? Quite often you will see that there will be an exchange that you are going to and if you use your Google uh, search engine, the top one may not actually be the real one. This is how phishing works. One of the things that you should do is once you do open up your accounts, I would suggest that you bookmark these accounts. Why? Because you know you're going back to the same place again and again. Always just do the check. And it's not just about this little uh, lock thing up the top here because that can be put there in illegal cases as well. Once again, ice fishing is fishing, except for they just do it a slightly different way when it comes to fishing. Make sure you are going to the right places and not clicking on links and whatnot that you've got no business clicking upon. Very, 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 very important to be aware of that. And finally, number four, drum roll, please. Fraudulent emails, websites, and social media accounts. This has got to be the most tried and tested way to rip people off. Because these days, people are going to have emails, they're going to visit websites, and they probably have multiple social media accounts. A combination of FOMO, uh, you know, the, a combination of FOMO, greed, and whatnot allows people to jump into these sorts of scams and get done. One of the other things is quite simply just opening up a link that might be sent to you in an email, just having that brain fart moment, uh-oh, there goes my money. These phishing places, they're smart, but you can outsmart them by just being simply aware. If it comes to trading, I always say make sure you only do it when you're in a good mentally strong position and you're feeling good. Don't trade if you're not ready and not feeling good. The same goes for any investing or logging into any account. There's no reason you should be doing that if you're not feeling very well because more open to error you become. All right, so number four, phishing emails and fake URLs are probably one of the oldest tricks in the book. 
Likewise, Web3 is rife with copycat websites, social media accounts, and fraudulent emails. From get-rich-quick schemes to pump-and-dump schemes, fake promos to promising new cryptocurrencies, email scams are costing users millions of dollars every year. Last year, leading crypto exchange... Sorry, last year, a leading crypto exchange lost $55 million just because a crypto developer accidentally opened a phishing email with a malicious attachment. And there you have it. It's easy to make mistakes. It's easy to make mistakes. It's even easier to make mistakes if you are not in the right mental space, if you're not feeling well, if you're in a rush. Take your time with everything that you do in crypto because don't forget, if it's not your keys, it's not your crypto. That being said, I do have multiple accounts where I have capital sitting as I am a trader and I do need to have liquidity. When it comes to your actual accounts, you should put in all the measures to stop people from getting in there. I'm talking 2FA, you can whitelist uh, certain addresses to send to. There should be a whole process of security before anyone can withdraw any funds from your accounts. And with that, I wish you all the best. And I hope, I hope for you that you stay smart, you stay vigilant, you stay switched on and you stay watching these news segments. I hope you have a fantastic week. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe. And don't forget, in the description below, you can get access to getting savings on your crypto trading accounts, as well as access to my website, tradercob.com, where all of our courses and information are for you. Have yourself a fantastic weekend. This has been another week in crypto. Bye for now.